Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. So first of all, uh, you know, good evening everyone. Uh, thanks a lot for joining in. Uh, this is I guess our 25th water cooler conversation. uh in which you know uh, a place a session wherein we get domain experts and thought leaders to come share their experiences with us uh, about about uh, you know the way they have approached their over, their own entrepreneurial journey today we have pratap in fact rather pakko or pratap aditya sir with us um he is uh, he is a serial and a veteran entrepreneur if i may say so uh he has successfully run large scale lnd and vocational educational operations and has also created coached and mentored several high performance teams pratap has been an entrepreneur since the age of 15 and continues to create simple and scalable solutions for complex training challenges uh currently he is heading the uh, capability development function of hcl technologies and he was for almost 5 years in his life also the global head for the yuvatwani foundation welcome pratap aditya sir uh to thank you very much suhel um you can leave the sir out of the conversation <laughs> cool pratap pratap aditya sir okay sorry okay cool i'll i'll just call you pako for the time being. yeah that would that would be easier and faster yeah 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 um so so pako you know i was basically going through while researching about you you know i was just going through what all work you have done and it's been an amazing amazing journey yeah i mean you started off with retail and i guess for the past almost a decade you have been in the education space in various different shapes and forms right from the clo summit two decades oh wow yeah so so i guess you know you know you you're a part of the edge learning academy as well you started two edtech ventures then you were the global head for vadwani foundation as well and and now now running uh, you know uh, the heading the capability uh, function for for hcl would love to understand and eat your brains on on the way your your journey has been you, can you just walk us through your whole this thing and how exactly you know did you sure. come up with this yeah so um so hi friends hi everyone very good evening to you um so covid has kept us inside but otherwise i'm sure most of us would have been out you know uh, after a toiling week with uh, our customers our uh, investors to enjoy uh, a light evening with them yeah. unfortunately we are all stuck in stuck in you know in our in our homes um and inshallah everything is going to become okay in the next couple of months uh that's the hopefully optimistic person that i am and that i've always been and uh, the journey of uh, 
where I have reached here is is clearly because of my ability to see the brighter side in even the worst of the conditions. So I started. Uh, so if you ask my wife as to what do I do, in all likelihood she will tell you that when he is not an entrepreneur, he works for others. <laughs> so whether you take it that way or you take it the other way around, I started my journey when I was fifteen as an entrepreneur, and at that point of time, you're generally finding out ways to you're generally finding out jugaad, you know, to go ahead and make uh, some bit of money because my pocket money was very very, you know. So why I would do that is I would I I, I wanted basically why was two one is that. I had less pocket money, and second is uh, the other why was at that point of time I felt that uh, the boys at my age who were just getting their, you know, first line of beard or uh, moustache were not in in the best of the uh, dispositions to woo a girl, mm. and so that gave birth to my first uh, venture. And at that point of time, the venture was as simple as. Uh, creating mixtapes for uh, hopelessly romantic 15 to 19 year old boys <clears throat> who wanted to woo or wanted to you know uh, get introduced to a girl mm. and that started and it made uh, things very interesting although it was short lived because my dad was in the army and so we moved from one place to the other and uh, my next venture was at the age of about 17 and the why at that point of time was that again, um, I by that time I could I, I had understood, you know what what get what what sort of you know what I felt that time that you know what what ticks off what what uh, gets a, a girl interested, and so I said that all right uh, we do not have uh, we do not get a lot of pocket money, and those days Archie's cards were. You know the in thing to go and and gift to a girl, and uh, I think I remember this was twenty sixth of January because people, you know, the friends came over and they said, "Hey, Valentine's is next uh, month, and we don't have the money." And uh, they said, uh, "And they said, Paco koi jugaad hai." And uh, I said, "Jugaad hai in the sense." Uh, so I went out and I started making greeting cards. Okay, with exceptionally romantic, hutke uh, kind of you know messages, which became uh, which became pretty famous in the place that we were in, and I was not in Delhi or I'm not in Bombay or Bangalore. I was in a I was in a quaint town called Batinda. All right, mm. so anyone who's from Punjab uh, would know Batinda, and so I was in Batinda and. Uh, so that was the second time. Then, of course, uh, I, I wanted to join the army. It didn't work out. So finally landed up studying hotel management. Even there, I was not happy. I, I ran some food outlets during the time that I was there. I worked with rag pickers to you know, help them start a restaurant. And then uh, when we were leaving college and everyone was getting job offers, and so did I, in the first 10, uh, you know, I decided, no, I want to become an entrepreneur. 
and uh, all the money that i had earned through you know being a waiter in the marriage marriages you know when you go to a marriage you find these young mm-hmm. boys wearing a white shirt and a black tie i yeah. did that for 3 years and i earned uh, quite a lot of money at that point of time in 92 93 it was quite a lot of, a lot of money i earned and saved about a lakh in 3 years okay. and i said okay this is what i'm going to start with and i started with a catering business um one sunday we were driving and we kept on driving and driving and uh biking actually and we landed up uh in lucknow and from L- wow. lucknow we started biking again and we reached a place called gorakhpur and mm-hmm. from gorakhpur someone said nepal border is just 3 hours away you wouldn't you like to touch the nepal border and i said all right and we drove down to nepal border at sonali and uh, we spoke to the check post there and there were no stringent systems there you know you didn't need you didn't need to have your passport and uh, those days to go into nepal you just needed to have your driver's license and we asked this person he said it cost you 25 rupees per day for your bike mm. and he said oh wow and we got into nepal mm. and we kept on driving we thought that we'll go to pokhara and come back and all of this is happening when there were no mobile phones so i was just calling up my mom every night to tell her where i was and that day i called her up from sonali and said see i'm getting into a place from where i have to make an isd call and i wouldn't have that kind of money so i'm just i'll be i'll be back in a few days mm. i stayed there uh, for 9 months wow and i and i landed up in a hotel and said that i could go ahead and renovate and go ahead and change for things for you and we over a period of time we started operating seven very small hotels 325 room hotels there and uh, i would have settled there but i had to come back because dad was unwell and all that and i had to restart my journey so let's fast forward from there because that was an exciting time and then uh in about 2000 2001 2002 i said all right let me start making a change in the you know uh in the in the uh learning and development sector i was in sales and operations before that in in the travel and tourism you know industry mm. i got into learning and development and then again it started fast tracking in no time i was handling uh learning and development as a project for american express and that's for my first brush with financial services helped them recover some three crores through just training then moved over to uh there was a startup that i which was making a lot of noise called reliance retail yeah. and uh i received a call from mukesh bhai's office uh joined them uh worked there for uh two years then i got an opportunity with reliance capital which is the younger brother yeah and i joined them and created the corporate university for them and ran it for seven uh seven years yes and uh, but all of this time one thing which i always said and i always maintain is that as a learning and development professional uh, you also 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 very much need to be a business person so even with reliance retail i used to manage three of their large stores in bombay and with reliance capital i also apart from my learning and development portfolio i used to handle um, their cards business okay so that i started that business ran that business scaled it up and uh, so i used to run that along with them uh, along with that and during that time i i one fine day i walked into the ceo's room and i told him sandeep i i want to i want to be an entrepreneur 
and uh, he says, uh, "Wow!" And 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 at that point of time, I just been, uh, I just received an award from uh, the then, the you know, President uh, Dr. Pradam Mukherjee for my contribution towards financial inclusion in the country, and I was at the top of my world. And I said, "I need to, I want to take this to people." And he he he, you know, finally asked me that one question, which always I asked myself. He said, "Why?" Mm. And I said, "Why?" Because I believe that I can go ahead and create an impact over a far larger number of people in thousands and thousands. And he says, "All right, I give you one year." And he gave me one year, gave me a full hand, and I and I I started a vocational training center uh, in in West Bengal. I used to fly down from Bombay to uh, Kolkata. Uh, every Friday evening and on Monday morning, I would fly back from Calcutta to Bombay uh, in the morning uh, and go right into my office. Um, that carried on, and then finally, I I quit. I started my edtech venture, and with a very clear perspective uh, that why I was doing that, and I was doing that because I wanted to build a legacy business, but for that, I needed money. Hmm. So I built up a valuation business, and the valuation business was edtech. And I'm sure most of your founders, you would know that there is a difference between a valuation business and an and a, and a legacy business. So I built up a valuation business, and that was an edtech business. Of course, today, if you ask me, I should have stayed with the edtech team. But then uh, we are a sum total of all the mistakes that we made in life, and I have no regrets. Hmm. So I built up an edtech team. I didn't have money. So first of all, I went back to my CEO and I told him that I need money. So he actually gave me money from their own account, all right, and said that go ahead and start up and give me back the money in three months. Will you be able to do that? I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I actually went ahead and built an edtech organization in the next hundred uh, days, which is what I had promised to him, and that I will give back his money. I also started doing something else. uh you know in the vocational training business yeah, yeah, which is now. which is what i wanted to be the legacy business and so that carried on uh, edtech business got established uh i exited from it uh made made some amount of money went back gave the money back started working on my you know uh vocational training business built up an operation which was spread over a, over 129 cities with uh, centers in 67 cities in india and i am probably one of the few people who can actually uh you know take you all across the 661 districts in india so did a whole lot of traveling for about 4 years and finally uh i became bankrupt and i became bankrupt went into depression uh came out and got an opportunity to work with badwani foundation which is uh, one of the it's a silicon valley based one of the largest uh, you know entrepreneurial uh, foundations um, you know which works in in developing countries you know we work in about 21 developing countries uh, i mean that organization works in 21 developing countries and i joined them as the global head and vice president for uh, the corporate university that was supposed to go ahead and train and teach teachers educators trainers entrepreneurship educators Uh, government officials and everyone to uh, you know start up with entrepreneurship as a program uh, in schools colleges incubators 
uh, also uh, vocational training institutions all across the globe. So I've traveled all across Southeast Asia, Africa, uh, Latin America, uh, you know, uh, in variety of places, in variety of conditions, with variety of people, some with guns mm. as well. All right, and I uh, and I went and did that did that work for four years. Got up to work now with KL, uh, and I'm here, you know, taking care of the capability development function for the last forty-five days. So, not a short response, but so well mm-hmm. that sort of sums up where I started at the age of fifteen and where I've reached in the twenty-two years since thirty-two uh, years since then. Sorry. Wow, I mean your your experience is more than uh, the age of a lot of people here, very frankly. And, <laughs> oh and, no, and, but I'm still twenty-seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I recently finished my twentieth anniversary at twenty-seven, but I'm still twenty-seven. I can think <laughs> and act and work like a twenty-seven-year-old guy, and I can bet my right arm on it. No, no, we can we can absolutely make that with just the voice of yours. So, <laughs> Thanks a lot. No, no, so it's it's an amazing journey, actually. You know, so the session today we wanted to focus on the vocational, but but this journey of yours itself is so interesting uh, because you know you have it's not just the highs but the lows also which define you, and you know there is so much learning which comes from you know just failing many a times. And and I think you have you basically worked across geographies, across industries, had your you know highs and lows, and and you know how how does it? I mean, you know, if I ask you to encapsulate this journey of yours, how would you put it? Failures are inevitable. <clears throat> Take them in your stride. Come out stronger. That's one point. Second, always know. Why you are doing what you are doing, not what first. It's why, mm. then it's how, and then it's what. Mm. So why has to come first. Mm. And thirdly, build a team, not because you know that person because he's worked with you earlier, or he's a friend of yours, or he's Mama Ji's son, okay, or Cha Cha's son, but because. You have an alignment on thought. Mm. So if you have, if you have no fear of failure, if you know the why, and if you have an awesome team for whom you would like to give your life, mm. I think those are the first three out of the many things required to be successful, not just as an entrepreneur, but also as an intrapreneur. Within a larger corporate space, mm-hmm. and that has been my learning. Uh, if I have to summarize it in three lines, nice, nice. No, absolutely, absolutely. All these three points are very, very relevant. And I guess you know every for every startup founder, actually, especially the last bit, which a lot of people don't realize till the time. They, they, you know, actually experience how important having the right team is. But we'll come to that. Um, wanted to, you know, why don't we, uh, you know, move on to uh, Paco 
the whole idea of education and and upskilling if i may mm. say so because you know you have spent mm. almost two decades of your life there uh um, mm. you know you you started mm. off with catering you started off with and i guess you know uh this this whole uh, hospitality industry has a very very strong uh you know process orientation and and you know human resources is one of the key elements there and and of course upskilling and making sure that all the people uh who are in the system are functioning at the optimum level what what has been and what drew you to this space and and what kept you there in learning and development yeah in in education in general and then probably you know you can tell us how exactly the ecosystem is for us you know everything <laughs> looks the same from the outside uh so you yeah, know if you can is that you know uh, this 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 liking for learning and development started in 93 when i was given a a, a bunch of rag pickers so if you If, I don't know uh, if you've noticed these people. They are pretty invisible on the street. These are yeah. they are human beings, all right, and they are uh, very poor, and they spend their day in collecting rags and plastic from the from the spy, from the pavements and from the roads and collect it in a bag, you know, hanging behind their shoulder, and uh, that's all that you would have seen. Yeah. So I was given a bunch of rag pickers, and I and 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 I was told that uh, why don't you uh, train them and uh, build a you know restaurant for them? Okay, uh, we would you know the government grant would go ahead and pay for it, and that was my first. So the first approach was, hey, go ahead and you know train them on how to be a chef or a waiter or a steward, kitchen steward. but i realized that and thank god i realized that uh, you know the why was important so to establish mm-hmm. a why for a person who's a rag picker mm-hmm. is very difficult mm-hmm. you may think that you know one could go ahead and you know sort of uh, give them a better life okay give them better money better money not more money better money mm-hmm. okay and there's a difference between better money yeah. and more money i agree so better money better life respect okay and people should be drawn to that and that everything fell flat because i what i realize is there is no concept of better, better money for them better money is money which you get from good sources which you think are good and for them it was as good as you know getting money from from uh, you know uh, the work that they would do just to give you an example of how much a 16 year old boy would earn by rag picking even those days was 3000 rupees a month wow now 3000 rupees a month is probably what you spend in uh buying a pair of jeans so maybe you know we need to put in some more but at that point of time uh a graduate from iim amdabad would join uh an indian transnational company like sr oil or like reliance mm. at 7000 rupees a month mm. Okay, and at that point of time, they were making three thousand. It's very difficult for anyone to explain to the fact that. Just, just hold on. Ganesh has joined and has just mute. I'm just muting. Sorry. Ah, uh, who? Okay, Sudeep. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
Just hold on. Someone speaking in Bengali. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've already done that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. All right. The, go All on, right. Go on, so, go so it's very difficult. But then I realized that the regular norms of education will not work. But yeah. then, uh, basically, I said, "All right, let it be. Let me not. Let me not. You know, get it right because it was too confusing." But when I finally got into the field of learning and development, I realized that those learning really made a lot of sense. Hmm. And why it made a lot of sense is because when I would go and speak to anyone, uh, they would usually shun working with a training and development guy, a learning. And They would them. usually shun from you know working with a learning and development guy. The reason because you know these guys just talk a whole lot of nonsense and bullshit in terms mm. of you know big jargons, in terms of you know things that are very good in an air conditioned room, but was a whole lot of BS when it came to uh, the real world, real yeah, bad background. All right, so. What I was saying is that that learning which I picked up from this experience with rag pickers is something which, of course, I left it that time. But when I got into the world of learning and development, I said that you know all of this education which happens in you know air conditioned rooms where you pay, uh, where your parents pay through through their nose, is a whole lot of BS because that actually does not re- translate into. You know um, something which you can do. Yeah. So what is required is a vocational perspective towards education, rather than maintaining an academic perspective towards education. So as an entrepreneur, all right, one of the things that you need to possibly keep in mind, irrespective of whether in whichever industry you are in, is that you you should go ahead and focus on people who have the vocational skill. All right. Mm. So. You need to see the academic education which you might have got as in your MBA or something helps build the wisdom that you need to have. Mm. Okay, and that is important, very important. It builds the fundamental foundational block. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to doing a goddamn job, you need to have that vocational skill, and that comes from a vocational perspective over uh, on of education and learning and development. Rather than an academic hope, so that has what has kept me alive and and thrive in this in this entire arena of learning and development, and that's probably one of the reasons why I can speak confidently with CEOs and CXOs and entrepreneurs because I've been there, gone through that pain, um, and I've seen this working, and hence my conviction. So yeah, that's what kept me there. Uh, No, no. This is a very valid point here, because I guess you know the whole education system. If you look at it, is basically focused towards theoretical learning mostly, uh, and and the real world uh, execution or the real world activities. Yeah, and the real world execution is basically something very, very different. And those kind of training, especially for you know these these uh, you know niche kind of activities, is not there. And I wouldn't even you know. And I think even the way the whole education system is structured, even in terms of training and and you know learning and development, is not very uh, you know um, organic, so to speak. 
and you know that basically brings me to my next question is you know you have been in the industry from for almost two decades now uh, a lot of things have changed including you know technology coming into play um, but you know the basics remain the same you know the learnings yeah. the way you the way you learn and what you learn remains the same um, would want to love you know love to get your thoughts on the role of technology and does it really help or you know is it just an enabler or is it like a substitute uh, in some in some forms or the other okay so let me start by uh, by giving a contrarian view to you sohel okay the way you learn and what you learn has also changed hmm. okay agreed and a lot of learning and development professionals might not accept it because they probably are you know are still living in that cocoon but the way you learn has changed and i'll tell you why the way you learn has changed because uh the way you interact with information the way you consume knowledge the uh, way you uh, look at everything else has changed i'll give you a very simple example okay and i i, I don't want to i don't want to shout out stupid questions mm. but we all know that the biggest competition for uh, movie halls is mm. is t20 cricket mm. okay the biggest competition for a camera okay any camera is uh, either a samsung or an apple or any of these phones with exceptionally good uh, lenses mm. so why i'm saying is, is because if we continue to look at education and uh, from a from one single dimension we will we will miss out the biggest uh, element of education the biggest element of education is the learner himself mm. or herself mm. the learner which is which is all of you are are consuming the world in a in an altogether different fashion than what it was mm. you know um, earlier mm. so today everything is is available on you don't have to even ask your dad you know who used to be uh, the source of knowledge when we were young mm-hmm. today you've got google in fact i i tell mm-hmm. my son that his his first father is youtube <laughs> the second one is google and the third one who pays for his expenses is is is, <laughs> is me because yeah i mean that i may be joking but today the way information on is being consu- is is being taken in and knowledge is being consumed is very different not great the other thing which i'm going to i'm going to you know as be a contrarian to uh with you sohel is what you you consume hmm. the what you can of of you know what you consume the what you need to know has also changed because today you can you know first of all the kind of roles that are uh you know that's going that one will have to uh, look for tomorrow the kind of problems that the entrepreneurs need to solve for tomorrow are not even existing today and if you just go by you know uh, uh if you just go by uh statistics okay uh, i mean something which was published in intel about 50 years back uh, that the size of your uh, pcb uh reduces by you know half every 18 months 
okay mm. or the capacity of your processor increases by twice in 18 months now that 18 months has come down to 9 months now if you take the same analogy and we put it into use in let's say uh, an engineering college that means whatever a student is learning in the first year will actually be of no relevance or will bear only 12% relevance as he or she graduates after four years. Mm. So what you consume today is also very different. Today, because of Google and because of other resources that are available, okay, you can go ahead and consume stuff which is uh, you know, far more than what you would consume in your in your engineering degree and the well the engineering degree therefore i always tell goes ahead and builds a very strong foundation and platform in terms of i'm just giving an example of what's a diode and a triode and a pentode i don't even know whether that's being used now but it gives you a very very uh, uh, strong foundation so when i hire engineers today i don't hire them for their ability to you know create a pcb or tell me a chemical formula of benzene. I hired them because four years of academic training has helped them understand uh, to look at things systematically and systemically. Mm. That's all that I see when I'm hiring an engineer. Otherwise, his education as such is of no use to me. Mm. Now, you look at it from the other perspective, other, on the other side, you know, so what? So I tell a lot of engineering students and in, in my last job, that's what I was doing. I would tell them that what you're doing is just your dal bhat or sabar chawal or, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Roti sabzi. It's basic. Mm. All right. That will not get you anywhere at all. Yeah. So what you need to consume is what will get you there. Mm. So the what has changed, but what has not changed and which is where, you know, a lot of people miss out is why. Mm. Why am I getting skilled? Mm. I'm getting skilled because I want to make my ends meet. I'm doing it because I want to grow in life. I'm mm. doing this. Why? Because I want to, you know, because I want to, uh, uh, you know, I have a love for butterflies. So I want to study butterflies and I want to grow in my life. So go ahead. So the why has not, you know, uh, changed. Mm. So because of all of this, hence your other question is that is technology a, 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 a support mechanism or is it a substitute? Mm. So I believe that it is like the teacher who used to be the support mechanism for opening up a child's mind to learning and build wisdom, mm. like books were there. Mm. Similarly, you have technology today, which goes ahead and helps you, you know, uh, making learning more digestible. And that's mm. the reason why you have hybrid learning architectures today, which says that, you know, people will go ahead and tell you 70, 20, 70, 20, 10 formula and all that. That's all bullshit. Because what you need to know is if you are going to train your employees, mm. okay, you need to figure out that in a hybrid learning architecture, what is the learning which that person can, 
you know, take from curated stuff on Udemy and Coursera and YouTube and various other resources. What is the amount of training that you need to provide one to one, one to many? What is the amount of coaching that you need to provide, all right, to an individual? Okay, what is the kind of, you know, self-learning material that you would need to provide? And that is a hybrid learning architecture. Mm. So your question that whether technology substitutes, I think it's a fad if and there are a lot of people who keep on telling that, you know, technology will change. Yes, it will change and you need to change along with, but don't forget that the what and how is constantly changing. What is not changing is the why, because you still need to go back and ensure that you have two square meals at home. That will never change. Mm. Okay. But the what will change, the how will change. For example, today you have technology. Someone was telling me the other day that Paco, can't you give a real life experience in uh, in a distributed learning, distributed classroom system? That means someone is sitting in Nagpur, someone in, in Gachiroli, and someone in Gurgaon, and someone in Jammu, and someone in Leh, someone in, you know, uh, Bardwan, wherever. I said, yeah, we can do that. But today we'll have to use a, use a computer right in front of you. Mm. All right. We can have a video. But tomorrow, if you want an immersive experience, you will possibly use, you know, holograms, which you see in Star Trek or in, you know, in Star Wars. But you will use that. But that is still technology. That will still be a support mechanism to, for you to do. But if you have to go ahead and let's say become a doctor, would you go ahead and accept being a doctor to, you know, being a patient to a doctor who has only learned how to operate on your brain, seeing YouTube videos? No. Mm. So you need a combination of everything. Mm. So it's a hybrid architecture that you need to follow with terms, in terms of learning. And similarly for you entrepreneurs out there, all right, when you look at developing people, get the person with the right attitude, the aptitude, the ability to look at things systemically and systematically, mm. and then create an environment Alright, or hire a person if you can't do it yourself who can build a hybrid learning architecture for you. Okay? Mm. So do that and be focused on not just building the, building the skills but also look at specific capabilities that will help you uh, help you deliver the, val the value proposition that you have created for your customer and, and delivering those moments of truth. So, mm. yes, the why and what have changed, Suhail. Mm -hmm. And thanks a lot for inciting. I knew that. I'm sure. I'm sure you were aware of it. You just wanted to, you know, you just wanted to provoke me, which is good. <laughs> but just to answer your question, technology is not a substitute. Mm. It has become a strong support mechanism in the hybrid learning architecture that one needs to have. No, mm. 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 no, absolutely. And this actually leads me to my to my next and possibly my last question before I open up the floor for the audience uh, questions. Um, so, of course, you know, uh, learning requires uh, three things, you know, apart from the usual, uh, you know, training material, if I may say so. You require the right resources, you require the right mentorship, and you also require the right simulated environment for you to basically do it now my question here is while people might have the intent many a times you know two out of three or one out of three things out of these are not available to them 
and and yeah. you know that's where you know a lot of people and highly talented people probably do not you know the the product market fit as they call it you know mm-hmm. the, the the resource mm-hmm. and the market that this the skill set is supposed mm-hmm. to be in probably do not usually intertwine uh where i mean and this has this is something which i guess a lot of people have tried solving but nobody really has the right answer and and just wanted to take your thoughts on on this this whole angle where you know people want to do it but they can't because of xyz reasons is this usually an excuse or is this something which legitimately is a concern and and is is hampering the growth of a lot of people so are you talking about from a from a consumer perspective a consumer of learning perspective that we i may not have an access to technology or to simulated environments and hence i may not be able to build my skill or are you talking so, from a so let's perspective say, so let's say there is a guy who is a very talented cricketer but he is in a place which does not have access to any coaching academy i'm just giving an example here and and there might be people with different skill sets who might be really good somebody somebody might be a really good painter but he his paintings don't see the right eyes you know and mm. and and so i'm basically trying to understand that it how does you know how do you think that optimization or that matching can be optimized or have you seen anywhere that this this kind of thing has actually been exercised or or being worked upon so if you look at a, a simple statement you know that i'm a cricketer and i don't have the resources so when we talk about performance okay mm. we essentially say that there are three paths to it. Mm. one is what happens you know as a matter of training and coaching and what happens is you get something gets built in you which is called self efficacy mm. that is my belief in my own belief so that is what you build in the classroom or with your coaching and all that but if you want the person to perform you need to have the other two blocks the other two blocks are the opportunity to perform mm. which is i've i've got a i i want i i've learned how to play cricket but if you don't give me a bat if you don't give me a ball if you don't give me a place to mm. uh, play cricket i will never be able to perform mm. the second thing the third thing in this in this triad so what is training and coaching to build self efficacy mm. okay the second is the uh the opportunity to perform which is the mm. place to perform the tools to mm. perform and whatsoever and the third one is what is called the supportive environment that means if i am working in your in your you know uh, team sohel and every time i sit down and think and you come and you know sort of snap me out of it and say you're not being paid to think you're being paid to work mm. or if i ever come back to you and tell you i want to play cricket and you say what the what the what the heck go and study mm. could be you my boss could be my dad could be my mom could be my elder brother sister whatsoever if i don't have that i'll still not be able to perform so even in a work environment so well <clears throat> i always say that training itself is it's a means it's not an end okay mm. so for that you need to be able to provide an opportunity to perform and a supportive environment mm. now this is the triad that i usually go ahead and explain to anyone who's getting in the world of becoming a leader not just a learning and development leader but a leader that you need to know that these are the three things 
you cannot operate with only giving the opportunity but not skilling the person or not giving him the incentive to work you cannot only give the incentives and not given that opportunity or not give the training and expect him to work or you don't you just provide him training but you give him a very shitty team leader and don't give him the tools to go from one place to the other and expect him to work so this triad will always be there it's a three packets stool now when it comes to so when you said that you know have you come across these kind of situations i normally you know there have been times when people have gone ahead and told me when i used to you know visit eastern up you know for a whole lot of other activities in in the world of sales coaching and they should tell me that dada kya kare kuch nahi hone wala nothing is going to work out out here hmm. so i would always tell them and and it has always helped me i would say what do you want to do and they would say ye karna hai ye wo karna hai this is what i'll do that is what i'll do okay and, and i would immediately ask them why hmm. because if the why is clear you will suddenly find that there could be other options for what hmm. of course you will have to you know uh you'll have to put some of your desires to grave okay mm. you will have to mm. but uh you always should know why and if your desire is so strong that you can't put it into grave then you will find out ways to do things differently to give you an example if you remember there used to be an ad i don't know how many of you were uh young enough to old enough to remember but there used to be an ad by by abhishek bachchan for idea and he said what an idea mm, sir what an idea sir ji yeah. right yeah. now when what an idea sir ji was being planned at that point of time uh i wouldn't say it, it came from me or anyone that i know but at that point of time we figured out that you know we were working you know i was working on a project where we were working in himachal pradesh and um, you know there were schools for which you would have to walk for 3 days from the nearest bus stop okay and there were students there there was no electricity mm-hmm. board exams meant that you will go you will walk for 3 days you will take a bus and go to a different district because if you remember earlier you know you would never get the seat in your own school so you would go to another district take the exam and it was expected that you will you know sort of come back the next day there was no point coming back the next day so usually the school principal would hire a dharmshala or something and would keep all the kids there so that they can take their exams during that period because it was impossible to walk you know back and forth hmm. so there we landed up and uh, you know we were we, you know by at, at that point of time we would use ohp projectors and you know we had just started mm. using heavy laptops and stuff like that mm. and this principal said i don't have electricity sir what will you go ahead and run <laughs> yeah and we developed a technology there so help mm. i don't know if you've heard about it or not it's called umt have you heard about umt no i have not what is it okay anyone else has heard heard umt umt UMT. Anybody of in the audience? Anyone? It's an extremely solid, agile uh, technology structure. Hmm. What's the full form, sir? It's called under the mango tree. <laughs> okay. okay. 
Okay. So the principal said, you know, let's go ahead and do it. Arm ke pair ke niche. And I went ahead and said, let's call it UMT under mm-hmm. the mango tree. Mm-hmm. Because whatever said and done, whatever problems that that person, that principal had, he had mm-hmm. no teachers. He was the principal. He was the sanitary guy. He was the teacher. He was the shoulder to cry on. He was the father to the fatherless, the mother to the motherless. Mm. and he was also the person feeding in case the students in case they didn't have money to feed themselves mm. okay he had nothing available to him mm. but he still managed to get students graduated from class 10 and put them into other schools mm. to help them get out of that drudgery and mm. because of that a lot of students in fact came back Mm. to do farming experiments there to do water based experiments there all right to mm. take students from there and open up you know small little eateries on the way you know on the three day journey mm. he created entrepreneurs he could have gone ahead and said that i don't have anything what will i do mm. i can't do anything mm. when i went bankrupt and when i went bankrupt I sold off my house. I had to sell off my Mercedes. I had to sell off my uh, Ford Endeavor. All right, I was quite a, I was quite passionate and still quite passionate about driving. I I I, I have driven all across uh, India from top to bottom. All right, but when I lost everything and I went bankrupt, mm. I I came to a situation in 2016 when I said there are only two things that I can do. Mm. either i can stop that question in my mind or i can answer that question to stop that question in my mind i would have to kill myself but i would rather answer that question and you know what was that question why mm. and then i told my told to myself why i am doing what i want to do is because i want i want to i don't have to i don't need to i want to support my family they are the non negotiables in my life and if that is non negotiable then and if that is the why then what it does not matter i will figure out something ye nahi to wo wo nahi to wo agla i'll figure it out that is the what and at that point of time when i did not have anything i lost all money i was, my company was taken from me okay uh, i was literally you know there were people uh, and that's why i said no get the right team mm. the people who managed to get me out because they knew that i was a limp i was an old limp dog all right who did not have the money at that point of time and all the employees all across could not stand up to them and i don't hold them responsible but at the end of the day when i said when i was very clear as to my why and i have to remind this from time to time i said okay no problems i actually called up someone on the 20 on the 15th of march in 1997 uh, in in uh, sorry 2017 not 97 2017 and i said that hey i have created a list of 100 people that i know who will help me mm. i have two options mm. either i sell them insurance mm. or i sell them training mm. so this guy he told me back oh you know both of them but i think mm. you will be better selling training mm. i said all right I will do that. And he said, "How come you've got such a varied 
you know, uh, choice, trading and insurance. Mm-hmm. I said, because at the end of the day, I have to feed my family. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to take care of them. I want my son to do well in life. I want my daughter to be what she wants to be, the best version of herself. Mm-hmm. I want my wife to feel proud of me. That is my why. Mm-hmm. So I will find out my what. And I will figure out how. And I will not give up. Failures will not push me down. Mm. Things have worked out. Have I now bought my Mercedes and have have I bought my Ford Endeavor? No. Do I regret? No. Mm. No regrets. Mm. Because my why is very clear. What is non-negotiable for me, that is very clear. What is non-negotiable for you as an entrepreneur? Mm. Okay? Mm. That you should be clear. What are your key metrics? Mm. Money cannot be your key metric. If money is your metric, then you are in the wrong business. I can assure you right now without even knowing what you do. Mm. Because I know a business which can give you the best return possible, but none of you will go ahead and take up that business. Mm. So don't tell me money is the reason. Your reason is different, hidden in you, that seed. If your why is clear, you'll find out the what and how. Mm. So if if the why is clear for that picketeer, mm. if the why is clear for that 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 person, whoever mm. that person is, well, they will mm. find out the what and the how. If their why is to be a cricketer, they will mm. find the way to do that. If they don't, all right, they will find another way to do that. If they don't, they will still find another way to satisfy themselves. Mm. But if they give up, nothing mm. will happen. As an entrepreneur, you cannot afford to give up. Mm. You cannot. In your hearts, you cannot. You cannot give up your why. You may stop doing this business. You may start another business. You may stop doing being an entrepreneur, become and join some other company, but your why will always be there. That is core to you. So the cricketer or not doesn't matter if the why is very clear. He will find out. Like that principal with whom I drafted out UMT. Never forget UMT. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sorry, I got carried. No, no, that's a that's a very, very, very passionate answer, and I think it's it's relevant for for not just entrepreneurship, but for all walks of life. In that sense, and you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, the why matters because you know many times people forget that in the daily operation operational aspects of life. But usually introspection, and that's the reason why many people, you know, are not happy, even when they are at the highest positions, because probably their why is not clear. And, and and Absolutely. I mean, this is a this is a beautiful, beautiful insight, sir. I mean, I I really don't know what to say, and <laughs> I would just open up the floor for audience now. You know, any of you yeah. guys have any questions for uh, Paco? Pradhapaditya uh, sir, sir, no, Pradhapaditya Paco, as we fondly call him. Sid, yeah, to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, punish people. 
<laughs> yeah, hey Paco, thanks, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, it was an awesome session. Uh, I have a question uh, to do with you know uh, perverse uh, incentives. So, how do you deal with perverse incentives? How do you deal with perverse incentives? So it's like you know, so when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. They say, right? So how do you deal with that? Chasing a number. Yeah, I got Chase. it. I got it. So it depends, you know, from which end are you asking? Are you asking me from the end of uh, a measure becoming a target for me, or are you asking no, for no, me in going in general? Yeah, so 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 in general, for you know uh, your job interviews or your hirings or you know um, any anything for from that perspective, like you know how how it happens in the cobra effect, uh, the same kind of way. So I. Uh, so measures becoming a target is a uh, is an interesting you know uh, element because that basically goes ahead and shows that we are not very clear in terms of you know what kind of uh, it's it's is a first of all it, it it's also a sign of desperation okay when measures become targets and secondly you know when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to measures becoming targets, I think the biggest fallacy in this entire thing is why and why why I said it's a it's a sign of desperation because you are probably just focused on how to get the thing done rather than you know what it will lead to or how one has reached there. So exactly. My, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be very clear that it's not just about the you know uh, it's not just about you know the output or the outcome, but it's also about how do you reach there? Okay, just do, do your means justify your ends. Mm. And I am a very strong believer of the fact that yes outputs and outcomes are extremely important and without that you know what do we have to run towards i mean you can't you can't play football without a football post you need to know where you're running right or 22 of you you need to know where which side to run which side to dribble which side to you know shoot mm. but what's also important is the sportsman spirit that while you will go ahead and hit the ball towards uh towards the opposite end's goal post but you also need to know that you are not trampling others. You are. You need to. You need to demonstrate sportsmanship while you go in and do that. And similarly, many a times people forget what is the path that I'm taking to reach where I have to reach. Uh, and, and you know, you always come across this juncture where you have got an easier and shorter path, and on the other hand, you've got a long and arduous one. It's easy to take the shorter one. Many a times people do that and they say, okay, let me stay alive today to live a battle, to, to live for a battle tomorrow. But sometimes you need to choose your battles and figure out that probably the longer arduous route is the best suited, uh, you know, to reach your target because that will give you the best returns over a longer period of time and maybe in the shorter period you will have to lose a couple of couple of battles but you will end up winning the war winning the war i don't know if this answers your question but that's what how that's how i Thank you.
Thank you, Paco. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it kind of does. Yeah, yeah. Raj, Thank go you. ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I had a question. So how how do you deal with fundamental attribution error in a company? How do you take care of it? How do you ensure that it's not, uh, you know, detrimental uh, in any any layers mm. of the company, in any levels of the company? How do you take care of it, and how do you minimize it per se? Cite me an example. uh say suppose i'll give you a very personal example uh say suppose you are texting someone and he replies with okay just just okay o and k fine mm. so uh, what you deem of it is maybe the person is not interested in the in in replying to you or stuff like that but possibly that person may be undergoing a lot of difficult situations and the only amount of respect that he could provide you by replying is the words okay right but yeah. uh, what you deem of it is that that person is actually not interested in talking with you or is neglecting you which is not true in any case so mm. fundamental attribution error i would say in this is to make assumptions which are not true and uh, they can in a way detrimentally affect your entire perception of the person at that point of time and from there to a substantial point of time in the future till you finally you know try to make uh, make the whatever uh, walls that you've created you make them crumble right mm-hmm. so how do you take care of it uh, in a company at the different levels like from the ceo cxos to the yeah. managers to the employees to the basic staff that are there how do you ensure mm-hmm. that there is no perception. fundamental attribution error uh, mm-hmm. in the entire perception. framework right the whole idea of yeah. perception so first of all yeah yeah so first of all i ensure that i don't demonstrate those behaviors first of all so i'll tell you what i do okay and i am battling with couple of these issues like i would have battled in any other organization i always tell people <clears throat> respect in private condemn in uh, respect in public and condemn in private mm. okay it basically means that i don't take anyone's pants off in public all right but i go ahead and ensure that everyone gets a pat on the back in mm. front of everyone okay which leads to the next question which is respect mm. so when i talk about that when you talk about attribution okay and attribution error uh very simply in in the world of normal human beings using normal jargons okay <laughs> uh we call it perception when you talk about perception and and i know it is not as simple as what you're trying to explain that was on a lighter note please don't take it otherwise is that your perception gets built out of couple of things and that you should kept in mind mm-hmm. it gets built out of what you see and 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 what you interpret of it what you interpret of anything for that matter depends upon two things okay your existing conditions two things three things your existing conditions and the environment it depends upon your maturity and it depends upon your past experience mm. okay mm. now as a leader when you talk about maturity of an individual okay you need to be able to demonstrate the fact that you do not build perceptions about people what you demonstrate to people to others as a leader is what others take as the benchmark to follow mm. and these are all driven from the top from the top you may that does not mean that you know for example you know if i have uh, 
you know, if I have someone coming and joining my organization, I don't know how his mind has been polluted over the last 30, 40 years of his existence. Mm. But what I can do is I can demonstrate the right behaviors and demonstrate that maturity and expect that, that expect the same thing from that person. Mm. So, so to give you an example, okay, there is something called, um, uh, there is, um, why am I forgetting it? Um, just one second. It's slipping out of my mind and I need to tell you because it's an important uh, aspect. Uh, it's called Pygmalion. So I don't know oh, if yeah. you've heard about yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Pygmalion theory or the Rosenthal effect essentially says that, you know, the uh, higher the expectations that we have from an individual, the higher the person goes ahead and performs. Okay, so everyone goes ahead and believes they find higher expectations. If you have higher expectations, you know, you'll have better results and all that. But that's not true always. So there's another interpretation to that. And that I think you need to keep in mind mm. is that, you know, there was an experiment which was done in which a teacher was told, uh, two teachers were given two students with, this, with similar background. And one teacher was told that these children are a bunch of rowdy brats. All right, they don't listen to anyone. They don't do anything. All right, they're they're absolutely bad in terms of their education grades and all that. And well, these are the subjects and these are the objectives that you have to meet over the next six months. And we'll have a we'll have a test after that, and we'll see how your students perform. The other teacher was given a similar bunch of similar number of students with similar socioeconomic from similar socioeconomic background, similar demographics, and said these are very cute, naughty kids always bubbling with energy and bubbling to do new things. You need to channelize their energy and you will find that they are going to give you uh, laurels beyond compare. And here is the here are the subjects, here are the objectives that you need to be. You need to tease them for six months and after that we'll have an assessment. Okay? So, after six months, the assessment was done and this is a proven uh, experiment. The teacher who was told that the children were rowdy, mm. all right, finally ended up seeing that their results were pathetic. Whereas the other teacher who was told that the children are bubbling with energy and they have a lot of thoughts and ideas and they're very innovative and stuff like that, all those students succeeded. Mm. Why does that happen? Why did that happen? Because was the education system different? Were the objectives different? Were the tasks different? Was the why different? Was the assessment different? Were the children different? Were the socioeconomic background different? Were the demographics different? No. Was the sex ratio different? Nothing. Nothing was different. The only different was the perception that the leader or their, in this case, their teacher carried about the students, which defined the way then whatever name or phrase that you put to this error it will lead to a dysfunctional team which will lead to losing customers loyalty which will lead to losing revenue and profitability which will lead to you not getting your bloody incentives whether you are a startup or whether you are a you know corporate leader so <laughs> to ensure that you keep on earning more please take care of your people and don't let these biases and perceptions come into your way. And when you do that with your people, they will start demonstrating the same with their team members. And this behavioral switch will not happen overnight. Mm. 
it will take time hmm. but it always and always will start from you the father the brother the entrepreneur the sister the mother the corporate leader the first time leader whosoever you are it starts from you and your ability to empathize your ability to respect others your ability to do what's right and not be uh, driven by perceptions and biases of the past and not thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much it was a brilliant use case thank you so much akko pleasure cool uh, so i had a question uh, here uh, akko this yeah. is this is basically a uh, you know around you know the, the point which said was was kind of kind of making that currently uh, when you look at education so you know the point which he which he point, which he pointed out was you know you sometimes end up you sometimes are so focused on a number that you sometimes forget your why right so and this is like for example you know i you know people who are preparing for je they are preparing mm. to get into iit they are not preparing to become an engineer mm. right and this is this is a this is a societal norm in a way that if you if you don't do it there's there's a lot of peer pressure or societal pressure i don't know whatever you want to call it and people sometimes get stuck in that and and yeah. and that you know uh, is basically i you know i i want to touch upon the whole mindset angle here that what mm. exactly should be the right mindset when you are approaching work in general you know learning usually is for doing something if you mm. don't practice then there's no use for the learning right mm. so when when you put your learnings to practice what is the right mindset to be in you know and and you know and as as i said you know there are multiple fallacies here which you can fall into mm, mm, mm. okay okay so with regards to this whole quota business you know mm. okay of uh type a type b type c and landing up in iit and all of that thing mm. is basically the poor kids are fulfilling the inadequacies of their parents i am a very strong believer in that okay mm. my mother was a delhi university topper in mathematics mm. my father was a university you know top ranker when it comes came, came to physics with regards to you know my grandfather he uh, was a university topper in logic there are other grand uncles who studied engineering or who studied in oxford and all of that places i am not even a graduate mm. Mm. okay mm. and why i wanted to make this point mm. is because and i've taught in isb and i've taught in im amdabad and i've taught everywhere and i'm i'm not a i'm technically not a graduate mm. very interesting now my my parents mm. could have gone ahead and said sunny boy you need to join i and by the way mm. i did get through a uh, joint entrance and i chose not to do engineering okay in those days i don't know what it meant i sub 710 711 rank okay wow. without having technically studied and i'm not a brilliant guy i'm not an intelligent guy i am very systemic and systematic i am very logical 
but i am not a graduate how many okay. parents in this country would coming from this kind of a pedigree which is oxford and cambridge and topper here and topper there and this that would allow their son all right the 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 the, the eldest in the generation to not be a damn graduate i think there are very few and i think it comes yeah. from a maturity that uh, you know parents have and demonstrate yeah. and it is in india education is because of only two things Mm. job market or marriage market mm. so parents reflect their own inadequacies of their life and they and and their drudgery and all of that and, and and cover it up by saying that you know son you will do good in life mm. you will do this in life you will do that in life and that's the reason why you should join iit mm. okay or Use and there are a whole lot of other people you know who will, for example, the going market rate. I don't know if you guys know or not. None of you are, I'm sure, an IPS officer. But the going rate for an IPS officer to get your daughter married off to an IPS officer today is two crores. Okay, that's the going rate. Mm. If you're an IAS or an IFS officer, it goes up to about eight to ten crores. Mm. so all that study is finally leaves but i'm not going to going to get into that because that's a very controversial subject and i have had enough of you know water cooler <laughs> on the bar at yeah. the side table kind of you know fights and conversations around mm. i will go to something which is very fundamental mm. which is the reason the ethra for education okay the reason of the existence the reason of the existence of education okay Mm. and of learning and development and for you as an entrepreneur or as the as the coach okay and and for this i would take you back to the time that you learned how to ride a bicycle mm. i'm sure you never went through google to figure out how to ride a bicycle i'm mm. sure none of you went through a book to read you know that you read to you know ride a bicycle a lot of you might have just started riding a bicycle okay mm. which is possible i mean even if you've not done it just as an argument say one of you will stand up and say no no i have learned it on my own <laughs> but in most cases there was someone who was holding the cycle from the back mm. could be your friend could be your bhaiya didi father mother uncle aunt dada ji whomsoever and who was holding on to your wobbly cycle while you were pedaling mm. and all this time while you were pedaling and looking at the front <clears throat> you would try to look you know at the rear of your cycle to see if that person is still holding on to the cycle mm. and the person in the back would continue to tell you that no suhel you i know you can do it suhel pedal hard pedal hard stay in the front hold the cycle properly beta you will do it try it out try it out and you know suhel would try okay or saina would try right mm. and so the father leaves the cycle and saina is wobbling wobbly wobbly and she falls down mm. okay mm. she gets up with bruises on her knees and she first thing is she shouts at you the father and says papa you are not supposed to do that 
Papa, I will not talk to you. I will go and complain to mommy. This, that, crying, crying, and all that. And Papa holds you and says, "No, no, beta, don't worry. You will do it. Why don't we try it again? You get onto the cycle. And this example is very important. Don't forget it ever. And then he again does that. Again, you know, holds the bicycle and he and Saina keeps saying, "Papa, don't leave it. Don't leave it. Papa, don't leave it. Please, okay." And uh, and Papa says, "No, no, I will not. You keep on pedaling hard." And after some time, Papa. Again, leaves the bicycle, and she wobbles. She wobbles. She wobbles, and she goes left. She goes right, and she pedals harder, harder. Goes around and comes back and says, "Wow, Papa, I've done it." Mm. Now, what Papa has done is what every teacher needs to do, mm. which is called self-efficacy, which is build Saina's belief mm. on her abilities. Mm. He always knew how to. you know pedal the cycle she may not know how to balance it well but she had figured out how to pedal the cycle but she just couldn't do it independently mm. as a leader do you build self efficacy in your team members as a trainer do you build self efficacy in your trainees by saying by basically uh, you know conveying that it's okay to make a mistake mm. but it's not okay not to try Do, do have you created an environment which allows them to make this hmm. have you created an environment where mistakes are celebrated hmm. or have you created an environment where mistakes means you are beaten black and blue because from this self efficacy hmm. builds the plant of confidence when i do something over a period of time i build confidence i start building confidence as i start building confidence and i start i i continue doing that doing practice okay mm. i build a habit mm. and when that habit becomes strong i start building conviction in my why of doing that but the whole thing starts from you my dear friend the leader the founder the corporate leader the trainer lnd expert it starts from your ability to create an environment where failure is not a bad word where not trying is a bad word where making mistakes is is embraced are you building self efficacy for people the the role of an educationist or a leader is to build that self efficacy amongst people let them experiment do you allow them experimentation in a controlled manner all right not to burn down the entire house hmm. but do you do that some experiments are not befitting a certain age my daughter is 8 will i ask her to you know go ahead and cook a meal for me no she'll be enthusiastic that i'll make maggi but will i allow her no mm. but my son who's 16 already if he goes ahead and says that papa i want to try this yeah go ahead today i and my daughter you know her mother does not allow her to you know do gardening you know because she is my 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 spouse is really very touchy about her plants and all that mm. but she wants to do that 
And I said, all right, let's start with something. And he says, she says, what? I said, let's start with planting some plants. And so we we have we have put in some coriander and some uh, chili and some cherry tomato seeds for germination. Mm. And I said, these plants when they grow, when so these plants when they grow up, okay. Mm. Uh, and they become saplings and you will put them into bottles and you know we'll do some hydroponic shit and all that mm. these are things that you will take care of she's so happy mm. she will she might fail that's okay mm. but if i don't allow her to fail she will never start she will never are you allowing people to fail the the goal of education in whichever format learning and development training using an lml this that everything the why from that perspective will always remain the same building self efficacy in the learner in the follower in the employee in that team member self efficacy is not just downward you can build self efficacy upwards as well mm. do you allow your boss to fail or do you does your boss feel that if he fails he'll fall down in your eyes mm. do you allow your co-founder to fail or does he or she feel that if he or she fails to do the task he or she will fall in your eyes mm. we need to be able to allow people to fail education builds self efficacy to the time that student or that learner or the training or your team member does not walk out of the room but you build that self efficacy that it's okay to fail main hu na that's the reason of the existence of education which unfortunately a lot of people have forgotten hmm. no i agree i completely i agree with everything what you're saying and it all you know brings me back to the <laughs> to the whole point of why i guess the why of life if you are able to figure it out things become clearer things become clearer and you basically your priorities automatically get sorted sure absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah cool uh, we'll just take one more question if there are any uh yeah right pratap yeah hi so i just have a question in the edtech space like we are seeing byju's an academy moving at a very high pace than they ever were okay so um, what do you think would be the possible winner in this edtech race byju's or an academy or do you think byju's will uh, eventually turn into a super app or something like that like since we see byju's is buying out all its competitors like whitehead junior and all the other companies a very 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 What? very uh, you know entrepreneurial at techy question but very uh, very relevant actually i actually you know this is actually the the question which i also wanted to touch on but please go on answer well, i'll give you an answer to this yeah. okay india is a very strange country <laughs> okay the india that you see is possibly or the india that you hear of in the first three pages of the newspaper or the first uh web page when you google something 
pertains to the top 50 districts in the country or 80 districts at the most india has 661 district i know all of these uh, founders so i will i will uh, <laughs> i will remain uh, i won't say politically correct but i will remain neutral i will keep certain things for you to you know do match the following okay mm-hmm. so you can get funded mm-hmm. on the promise that you will be able to build a unicorn mm-hmm. so building a unicorn today is based on two things one is a reality and one is uh falsehoods which ma- the market drives okay so market driven valuation takes you to become a unicorn and there are some true companies who because of their work have become unicorns all right and possibly they are around a billion dollars but they will now you can go ahead and say boss you know look at amazon look at facebook all right they were a billion dollar company with a negative cash flow okay so what is the problem with that of course there's no problem there's just no problem with that but the problem is that you're not solving the problem so you can gobble up other organizations which is you know which is absolute that, that's a that's a consolidation strategy which will always be there okay but i can tell you n number of examples where their valuation is whatever their valuation is on the promise that they will use technology to you know acquire learners teach learners and acquire learners teach learners and keep them engaged even after the teaching is over all right three stages engaging after teaching is over possible right yeah. teaching learners using technology possible yes possible absolutely i am not teaching him i am not teaching a student to become an mbbs doctor i can always teach acquiring customers acquiring learners customers and their children consumers all right or parents and students whatever you want to call it using technology to do that that is the reason why people are paying i mean apart from everything else you know while they say that you know we are paying you for you know building an ai you know which is basically a Uh, for all the other people who are here who work on ai i mean you've got an algorithm to go ahead and you know handle large scale data uh, based decisions and all of that so mm-hmm. you can go ahead and do that you know have an algorithm have a super snazzy office you know uh, but at the end of the day if i find you that you know you are finally going ahead and you know paying the uh, peon in the school to give you a list of the students and their parents and their phone numbers and then you call them up and then tell them that you know we are giving you discount the school has asked us to get in touch with you and offer you this and offer you that i don't think the investors are aware of it mm-hmm. truly speaking they are not aware of it mm-hmm. and the moment you do that where does your ethic go mm-hmm. so you do match the following on that but if you ask me about two organizations and saying you know um, so yes organizations like an academy organizations like hero viral 
which is the latest one by the way by um, akshay by munjal mm. okay so great guy okay uh, you could speak to him by uh, edcast and carl is a great guy to speak with you can speak to upgrad ronnie screwwala and his team you know unacademy i'm forgetting the guy's name i'm not interacted much with him or you speak to any of these they are trying to revolutionize uh, education by making education accessible to people where where we would need the government to go ahead and do a lot of work which unfortunately or fortunately mukesh bhai has done to geo or at least that's what people are claiming as what is happening is the pipeline which needs to go to the end consumer in the 661 minus 80 districts what an idea sarji those kind of districts hmm. because it's only when it reaches there then you will see the mula so i was speaking to speaking to a gentleman you know um, can't take his name can't take the name of his organization he has about 140 schools in india all right and was planning to uh, build a organic focused uh, edtech company and he was basically wanting me to come on board as a ceo and all that but something didn't work out but you know what what struck between him and me is that our focus was yes we are also focused on the mula but the mula is not from going ahead and getting list from peons and you know hounding those guys but actually going ahead and you know being able to make the difference but but everybody is right in their own end, own ways right because their why is different mm. so are you building a legacy business or are you building a valuation business now you may say that you know i'm speaking too high and mighty but the reality of life is that you need to figure that out in the you know everyone to his own today you know anudeep says i want to do this and you know you have uh, uh, you know anchu saying something else and how the heck does it matter what matters is okay my competition or my effort is related to what my why is but if you build anything which is based on falsehoods you will only get that much amount of time to get it right and i know of companies which very big companies and i okay one of the top 10 companies in the food tech industry globally mm. was started as a jhatka business people left him i mean the founders left that business went out came back did some phukrapanti around it wanted to you know uh, do some stuff and you know show you know have you know go up in the socialite circle their why was whatever their why was yeah. but somewhere in between they went ahead and corrected their why or connected back to the real why and first four years were a slump but after that they have rocketed like nobody's business indian company okay yeah. so you better get your why right because people will see through 
and you may be a unicorn i am not interested because i am interested in people who are really making an effort to make that difference you talk talk about an academy you talk about you know you even we have bites for the matter they're really trying to make a lot of difference but uh, you you talk about hero viral so you talk about hero viral you talk about uh, upgrad you talk about uh, you know edubridge and all of these organizations everybody is trying to do something or the other which is exceptional but there are educational organizations which have gone ahead of the because the vibe was wrong you know they they made a whole lot of money the mula level was excellent but where are they today nowhere okay so you need to be able to figure out what are your metrics to evaluate yourself or if you're an edtech company but in the edtech space believe you me the scope is enough and more and one small little uh spice that you can add to your kettle if you're in the edtech space is there is a tremendous opportunity to go uh vernacular mm. there is no serious player there people are thinking about it but there are no serious players you can figure it out whether you want to be in the test prep thing all right you want to bake a online quota thing or you are in the you know homework space there's a lot of homework work happening or you are in the basic tutorial space or is focused tutorial space all right depends what you want to do but you get your right you get your why right yeah yeah no no this is a uh this is a, a very very interesting take and i guess you know that was actually going to be my question as well as to where exactly do you see this whole education thing going and i think you have you answered oh, that now can more of scope as well indian government in india and governments globally are going to change and the pandemic has been a has been a boon mm. okay mm. my all my my heart weeps for all the people who lost their life and their livelihood but from an edtech perspective going mm. forward mm. if you had the mula to stay alive mm. get your why right because boss you don't know in no time you can become a become a unicorn if that's what you want to be and there's nothing wrong with that but get to focus at the right place because the government is going to open up in terms of its decision about you know how skilling is to be done how education is to happen a lot of changes are being made schooling how will it happen okay because at the end of the day if you look at a school you know a proper school it's a real estate business all right it's not an education business it's a real estate business mm. Mm. all right mm-hmm. i so agree you need I to agree. figure that out first yeah now the thing is that india that's what i'm saying 661 minus 80 there's a huge scope of going vernacular Mm. if you really want to think about but but you know what it is going to be difficult because uh, that's what i was telling this entrepreneur who wanted to actually go you know into into that area as a boss you should be ready it's an fmcg business mm. if you want you talk about business acquisition it's a fmcg business but today because of online models we start thinking that online means i will sit in my air conditioned office and things will work out okay in the evening i'll go to the pub have a drink all right go back to bed 
okay and come back in the morning with some late night you know town hall meetings and 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 the typical bpo shit and everything will work out no it will not mm. it's a tough business mm. like any other business like any other startup it's a tough business mm. and you need to go out in the market to get the thing you can't go it and outsource that i mean there are business models of you know outsourcing sales as well i'm not denying that and i'm not against them but i'm just saying that it is hardcore lot of people lot of these organizations realized it the hard way that it's not that easy so be ready for that but there's a tremendous amount of scope in vernacular keep your eyes and ears open in terms of what's happening around the globe look for a a list of the top 30 you know edtech companies in the world and you will find that china has some four of them in the top the top four top 3 our china except for except for baiju i think is number 2 or something okay but the rest of four five are chinese not indian you go there to their site and you look at you know the way that they were you don't understand chinese i don't understand chinese i only love chinese food which is also not chinese but still but you go there and put that yet you will wonder that bugger is speaking in chinese that child is speaking in chinese and yet you can understand what that person is saying bhavna the emotion comes out so strongly it is stronger than words pick that up because you can utilize that in your edtech uh, venture and even if it's not edtech venture that understand that is the that is the simplicity of how you they have created something which connects to the learner mm. connects to the value proposition that you're going to provide to your learner uh, to your customer persona mm. at the end of the day your learner is your customer persona right and what is the value prop that you are giving that that value prop you need to figure out what is the job to be done what are the pains and the gains that you need to take care of mm. that's the value prop so be on the lookout for the problem that people are facing and build your build your value prop around it also try keep a look on the vernacular piece there's a big thing that you have there and you look at the government government uh, you know uh policies which are evolving from time to time and uh, experiment keep on experimenting mm. nice it was a beautiful session uh, pako it was a lovely lovely session i would love for you to be more active on the club if you have the time this is a you 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 you'll be a beautiful mentor for the people here because i guess you know the the fundamental questions of of why you are doing what you are doing is very very relevant to any builders life and and uh, people here basically use the forum to basically network ask for question and advice and all so if you have the time please look have a look around and you uh, thanks a lot for this beautiful conversation that was the episode hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this if you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us on spotify google store and itunes if you want to join the water cooler podcast live join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me until next time upwards and onwards